Amen. We are starting a four-week sermon series this week. You get those four mains, Josh. Called Pretty Little Sins. Pretty Little Sins. Some of you may recognize that background. Some of you may not. I'm certainly not advocating that background and where it comes from, but it fit for what we're doing in this series. We'll start in Romans today. Romans is Paul's magnum opus. It is his, his greatest theological work. It was Romans that, that set Martin Luther on fire, causing the, the Reformation. It showed Martin Luther and convinced him that the righteous shall live by faith. It was Luther's commentary on Romans, read by a preacher before a sermon that saved John Wesley and set him on fire and set two different countries into, sent two different countries into revival. This letter of Paul's that was written about 56 A.D. to the Roman church, to the Christians at Rome, at a time when it was becoming not very popular to be a follower of Jesus, to, to say it just a little bit. That's this letter that we're looking at today. And Paul starts off with some deep descriptions. Now, before I go any further into this sermon series, because it's, it's going to hurt a little, just put it that way. This has been in the works for months. God has put this sermon series on my heart a long time ago. So if this touches on any of your most recent personal events, it has nothing to do with why we're talking about this. I'll say that on the front end. Hear me now, believe me later. That type of thing. But as we get into this sermon series, and you'll, you'll kind of get where I'm coming from as we get into it, this story should help us a little bit. You know, there was a young preacher, right? Just graduated out of seminary. He is fired up. He is going to his first church, and he is ready to turn the world upside down for Jesus. He's going to his first small town church in Kentucky and wanting to demonstrate how fired up he is for the Lord. Some of you may have heard this story before, but he goes in on that first, that first sermon, that first Sunday, and he preaches a, a scathing rebuke on the sin of gambling. And he feels like he's done a great job. And Monday morning comes, and the chairperson of the Pastor Paris Parish Relation Committee comes to his office and lets him know that, Pastor, one-third of our congregation raises racehorses after he's preached on the sin of gambling. And the next Sunday, so he switches topics, but he's still fired up, and he delivers this powerful sermon on the sin of whiskey and how dangerous it is. And the next morning, the chairperson comes to his office and says, Pastor, one-third of our congregation raises barley corn. So the next Sunday, the third Sunday, the preacher, he's preaching, and he preaches on the sin of tobacco and how it's, it's something that we shouldn't be part of, and it's, it's dangerous, and it's bad for us, and all that type of thing. And Monday morning, the chairperson shows up and says, Preacher, the, a third of our congregation raises tobacco for a living. That's how they make it. So that fourth Sunday, he is not deterred. He is more fired up than ever. He is going to, he is going to reach this church, and he's going to reach his community, and he's fired up to preach about Jesus. And he took out all the stops, preaches a humdinger of a sermon. The subject was the sin of fishing in the territorial waters of a foreign nation. 
as we get into the subjects we're going to talk about today and, and the next three weeks, I feel it may step on our toes a little bit. Know that that's not my intent necessarily. My intent is to share truth with us. God's Word, what it says, plain and simple. And sometimes that is an offensive truth to our sinful sensibilities. So keep that in mind as we dig into this. Romans chapter 1, verse 29. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know full well God's sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Now, the first question I have when I read something like that, who is they? If they do that, I don't want to be part of they. But who is they? Well, you have to understand the magnitude of the letter Paul is writing. He's writing this to the Roman church, which was his ultimate hope and dream was to get there and minister to this church. But he's also at the same time feels like he's been called to what is present day Spain. And so he's writing this letter to explain who he is in his heart and what he's doing and asking them for financial support to help him go to Spain and, and, and plant this church in Spain. So Paul leaves nothing unturned in this letter. And he is going through a, a description of the Gentile world. He's really going through a description of humanity in general at the beginning of this letter. He is letting them know that he's Paul. And he knows what he's talking about. He's kind of good at this theological thing, this Jesus thing. He, he's giving them his chops. And so he holds nothing back in the description of sinful man at the beginning of this letter. He says, he says this in verse 25, talking about they. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served something created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Verse 28. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind, a debased mind, to do what is morally wrong. So, who is they? They specifically here is the Gentiles, which is you and me. We're Gentiles, non-Jewish people. In general, it's just a description of what humanity has and will become because of sin. That's what Paul is trying to make sure we clearly understand. This is what happens because of sin. And the sin he starts with, and the one we kind of brush aside because we feel like we don't have wooden idols in our house, right here is, is idolatry. He starts with idolatry. I'll worship what I want, therefore I can do whatever I want. Idolatry is the fundamental who you worship is the fundamental determining factor in the foundation of your life. Who and what you worship, it determines everything else. If you worship this wooden pole in your house, it's pretty easy to convince yourself that you can do whatever you want to do. Is it all about our behavior? Is following God a checklist of behavior things? No. God is concerned with us being 
and doing and having what's best. And sin disrupts that. Sin causes harm, hurt, and pain. And God doesn't want that to happen. And when He is the foundation of what you worship, that makes sense. When He is not, well, we're full of a lot of things. His word says right here, Paul says, again, to reiterate, they are filled, who? These people that considered it not worthwhile to acknowledge God, even though they had no excuse. They see who He is, but they won't worship Him. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. That's a pretty crazy list of things that people could become. Did you catch what was missing? Did anybody catch what was missing from that list? Can you spot it? One word's gone. And here's the point before we dig into this. I think this is what we do to these lists. We read these lists and the stuff that's really bad and the stuff that we're pretty sure we're not part of, well, it stands out. And we like that stuff. But the stuff that's kind of under the surface, what you might just call a pretty little sin, it ain't that bad. I mean, everybody does it. It can't possibly be that harmful. It can't possibly be that bad. It can't possibly cause as much destruction as murder. I think that's what we do with these lists. So I'll go back and I'll put the word back in there that we missed. They're full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Now... (laughs) With that word highlighted, I'll tell you another story. There was another church. That old preacher, he was preaching hard. He was preaching against sin. He was preaching against the things we shouldn't do. He was preaching against liquor, the dangers of alcohol. And the little old ladies, their heads were moving vigorously. Yes, sir, preacher, amen, amen. He's preaching against gambling. And he's preaching against promiscuity. He's preaching against all these these terrible sins. Yes, sir, preacher. Amen. 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 And then he preached against gossiping. Dead silent. Until one little old lady in the back leaned over to her neighbor and said, Now he stopped preaching, done gone to meddling. (laughs) Sometimes that's the way we feel with stuff like this. Like, man, you're getting a little too close for comfort here. Preacher man, that's not my intention. My intention is for us to draw our attention to what God says is damaging and dangerous for his church, for his people. And we can't just, my my old preacher back home growing up when I was little, he, he, he preached a sermon 30 years ago. I still remember the title of it. It was called Tear That Page Out, Brother. And the point of it was we can't tear that page out. We can't find something we don't like and just tear that page out, brother. I don't want to follow that. We can't just tear that word out, preacher man. If it's there, it's there. And so that word is there. That word that we say gossip is how we say it in the English. Sitherustes is how you say it in the Greek. That's the Greek word in the New Testament. It's a whisperer, a secret slanderer. See, we wouldn't want to be a slanderer. We're kind of comfortable with being a secret slanderer. 
a detractor. Here's your cool English word, a secret calumniator. You ever heard that word? A calumniator? <laughs> to make maliciously or knowingly false statements about someone. It's an old English word that we don't use much, but it means slander. But to be a gossip is to be a secret calumniator. This same word used here is, has a different parsing, a different end to it in the Greek in 2 Corinthians, but it's the same word addressing a different audience is why it has a different ending that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians when he says, hey, I'm coming to you, but I hope, I hope when I get there, that this, and I fear when I get there that you're going to be quarreling and jealous and anger, have anger and hostility and slander and gossip and conceit and disorder. He's afraid that the church he's going to go see has those things taking place. Same word, same type of list, same type of purpose. Now, how serious is this block we're looking at here, right? If I hadn't have took out a few verses in between 25 and 28, you would have already caught it. But let's go back. Let's make no mistake about the sin of gossip. And make no mistake, gossip is a sin because this is included in some very heinous sins in this list. Here, here's what Paul says in between 25 and 28 about those that don't worship God and do what he's called them to do. For their, even their females exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Their males in the same way also left off natural relations with females and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And my point's not to harp on that today. My point is when we read that, we almost universally in this church and in the church go, yeah, that's not, that's bad. That's, that, that, that causes harm. That can mess up someone's life. That, God does not like that. But that is included in the same list and in the same context as gossip. Pretty little sin that we write off is not that big a deal. Here, here's, a, here's a list for you. Sins that include, in the New Testament, the concept of gossip. Other sins that are included with that. Murder. Greed, wickedness, God-haters, inventors of evil, unloving. Next list. Brawling, promiscuity, sorcery, murderers of parents, and man-stealing slave traders. Now, in the English in 2 Timothy, yours probably says kidnappers, but the intent of the regular word was people that would go steal, kidnap men, and then sell them as slaves. The concept of gossip is included in that list of sins. So, if we're going to put all that together real quick as we, as we move forward. What are we saying? God hates gossip. God hates sin. God hates gossip because gossip harms his people. It's not a pretty little sin. It's not something that's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. It does cause damage. It does cause harm. It hurts his church. It hurts his people. It hurts your individual relationships. God hates gossip. We need to hear that today. And here's one reason why I think God hates gossip so much. And this goes with one of our core characteristics here at church. We, we, our, three, our three core characteristics are sincere, service and sacrifice and we try to bring it up all the time and we try to live it out and we try to preach it and we try to teach it and we try to do it and we want to be that and the thing about gossip is it's opposite 
of sincere. It's fake. It's false. It pretends to be something it's not. It's insincere. Gossip is directly opposed to being sincere. Why? Because most of the time, gossipers pretend to themselves and others to be helping. That's how we convince ourselves that gossip is okay. Like we're doing something good, when in, in turn, we're doing something that's harmful. We say, well, I got to protect my friend. Well, I got to protect my family. Well, he shouldn't do this and that. Well, she ought to know better. And here's what I heard. That's what we do. Well, she ought to know better than that. But here's what I heard about the situation. I'm protecting my church. I'm protecting my people. We go on what we consider this, this righteous crusade. We think we're fixing, we think we're doing better, and we think we're protecting, but really we're leaving nothing but hurt and destruction and more problems in our wake. How serious is this to God? I'll give you another list. Proverbs 6. The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. So that doesn't say gossip. You're right. It doesn't say gossip. But it sure talks about gossip. Because when we're gossiping, we, we think we're fixing things. We think we have, a, we have the answer for what's going on. And it's arrogant to think you know everything about a situation. It's very arrogant for us to think that that we know everything that's going on in the situation, and that we have the right answer on how to fix it. Many times, gossip is a lying tongue. Gossip is a half-truth and a half-lie. And if it's a half-lie, then it's a whole lie. If it's 99% true and 1% false, then it's false. It's fake. It's false. Many times, gossip leads to devising plans. says he doesn't like a heart that plots wicked schemes. Devising plans on what to do. And eagerly, we want to carry out those plans. I've seen people lose their jobs over the scheming of others, over gossip that they have convinced themselves is true because they have a half-truth about what's going on in a situation. I have seen that in my life take place. When we gossip, most of the time, it's something that we heard and not something that we have firsthand knowledge of. So that would be a false testimony. And all this does nothing but stir up trouble. The one who stirs up trouble among brothers. God doesn't like that. So gossip hurts God's people, and he hates it. So let's get into some specifics on this. What does Scripture have to say about it? Here's the first thing. Gossip kills friendships. Plain and simple. Proverbs 16, 28 says it like this. A contrary man spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Not just friends, close friends. I've never seen a friendship healed by gossip. But I've seen many damaged because of it. I've seen some damaged to the point of it being irreconcilable. What else? Gossip causes conflict to continue. 
Sometimes something that would stop and cease to be a problem continues and continues to be a problem because of gossip. Proverbs 26, 20, without wood, fire goes out. Yep, that makes sense. No fuel, no fire. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. Many times, gossip, the situation, the problem, the thing that is going on, it's over and done with. Right? You've heard, like, let sleeping dogs lie. Right? No. Not a gossip. Keep on stirring it up. Stir that punch bowl. And you know what's in that punch bowl. Just stir it up. Keep it going. It'd be over and done with. They've probably already forgiven each other. They've probably already said they're sorry. They've probably already acknowledged what the problem is. But let's keep it going. Let's keep that problem going. Gossips ruin the foundation of relationships. The absolute foundation of relationships. Proverbs eleven thirteen. A gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. Someone who consistently betrays trust isn't worthy of having a relationship with. I'm going to say that one again. I hope my young people hear this. Someone who betrays your trust consistently isn't worthy of having a relationship with. Because the foundation of relationships is trust. Trust. You have to give it to get it. Trust. It is the key to relationships. Think about the relationships that are broken in your life. It's probably broken because trust was broken. And there ain't hardly anything that breaks trust like gossiping. Should we forgive? Yes. I'm not saying you shouldn't forgive. I'm not saying if someone breaks your trust, you shouldn't forgive. How many times should you forgive? You should forgive and forgive and forgive. Seventy times seven, the Lord says. But that doesn't mean that relationship in the, in the form and the capacity that it was has to continue in your life. That does, forgiving does not mean you continue to subject yourself to harm. Absolutely not. That is not what it means. It means you relinquish the right to punish for the offense you think took place. That's what forgiveness is. I don't have the right to judge or punish that person. But that does not mean you have to keep that person in your life. Should you still be kind to them? Without a doubt. Should you still do good for them? Absolutely. Do you have to continue to have a close relationship with someone who continues to betray your trust over and over. No. Only a fool does that. Don't do that. So it's hard to have a relationship without trust. It's impossible to have a relationship without forgiveness. But it's hard to have a relationship without trust. And I'm telling you, just on a personal note, like Paul writing his, like, I'm just saying this. I'm not saying it's from God. I'm just telling you it is what it is. You shouldn't keep a relationship where trust is continually broken. You just shouldn't do it. What else? Gossip promotes cause, promotes and causes harm. It's kind of summing up the whole thing we just said. Proverbs 17:9 says it this way: whoever conceals an offense promotes love. <laughs> whoever conceals an offense promotes love. Hear me. But whoever gossips about it, gossips about it, 
separates friends. That's too many S's for my little lispy self. Gossips about it separates friends. In other words, here's Mo's translation. Not blabbing about a problem helps things. That's the first part of that verse in my language. Don't blab about it, and it probably makes it better. It promotes love, and love always helps. Love does no... Love does no harm. Okay, a few of you are awake. Cool. Some of us are distracted, but we'll get back. Love does no harm. The connotation here is that gossips do the opposite of love. Gossips cause harm and damage. And with all that said, and most of that is absolutely common sense, then another question occurs to me. If that is true, and that is true, all of that is true, I believe. The question that I ask then is, why do so many of us participate? Why do you so often participate? Why do I participate in gossip? Why do we do that? You've been hurt by it. I've been hurt by it. We've seen the damage of it. Why do we continue to do that? I think one reason is because we don't take it as serious as we should. I mean, for the most part, I think 100% of us in here would not go out and murder somebody. I really hope that that's true. We take that one serious. But, but I, I took it out of the list and we didn't even notice. That's a little preacher trick. I get that. I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> but I, one reason is I think we just don't take it as serious as we should. Here, here's what Proverbs says. To answer that question, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Why do we participate? Because gossip lights up our sinful self. It speaks to everything it is to be sinful by nature. All of the sin. Pride. Right? Maliciousness. It speaks to our sinful self. It makes us feel important. It's just kind of tantalizing sometimes, isn't it? And like all sin, excuse me, like all sin, but especially the pretty little sins, that little morsel of junk food, like a Hershey kiss, I can just, mm, that little morsel of junk food, it tastes good. It's kind of fun. It's kind of enjoyable at the beginning. And, and like all sin and like that little junk food, the problem is it just kind of seems harmless. I mean, you can be on a diet, cutting back on sugar, cutting back on junk food, but there'll be a little slice of something really good. Now, if it's a big old slice, I can avoid the big old slice. But if it's just a little handful of something, just a little nugget of something good, I can convince myself real easy to pick that up and throw it in my mouth. Amen, Forrest? Right? I had to wake him up. Sorry. He's getting sleepy. <laughs> it seems harmless. So we justify it. Throw in, that, throw in that piece of cake. I'll work out tomorrow. That ain't how it works. 
I do that to myself all the time, but that ain't how it works. It's just a little sin. It's not that bad. That ain't how it works. Sin causes harm. Sin causes harm. Period, period, period. Sin causes harm. All of them. All sin. Here's the thing. You're not immune to this. You are not immune to this. This specific sin. If you're sitting there today and you're saying, well, this isn't really something I struggle with. I mean, I don't even really like gossip. That may be true, but you better check yourself. You better check yourself. It's probably not true. It's probably not true. I mean, yeah, sure. (laughs) Some people are the town gossips. And you can probably name them, and I can probably name them. And that's who you're thinking of right now. Because that's what we do with sin. We're thinking of those people that are known for being gossipers. You can name them and I can name them. And that's not a good thing. Trust me. That, I'm not saying that's a good thing. That's okay. I, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not glossing over that. But what I am saying is this. If you think you're not prone to gossiping, you're fooling yourself. And you're letting your pride talk to you. To think this isn't something that you struggle to fight as well as the town gossip, the town gossip and you, that's pride. That's foolishness talking. You know why I know that? Because you're a sinner just like me. And any sin can be temptation. Any sin can be tantalizing. Any sin seems like it's going to be fun until it ain't. You don't know how I know? All it takes is someone saying, Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? How many of us go, I don't want to? Now the the town gossip goes, come on, tell me. Tell me all of it. But the rest of us go, no, I didn't hear what happened. You lean in just as much. Maybe not as obvious, but you lean in and I lean in. It's tempting. We want to know. I want to know. Maybe I need to know. Maybe I can help. Mm Mm-hmm. So, sum it up. Let's sum it up. God hates gossip by his nature because God hates sin. And you and me are prone to like it and participate in it By our nature. God hates gossip because gossip kills friendships, hurts the foundation of all relationships, and promotes and causes harm. And most of the time in the name of something good, which is even worse. And why do you like it? And why do I like it? Because you're a sinner. And I'm a sinner. And sin sounds fun until it's not. So, then... The question is, what can we do about it? Can we do anything about it? I mean, if it's our nature, can we do anything about it? Well, the obvious answer is, yeah. Do you just walk around murdering people that make you mad? Okay, then we can do something about it. What can we do about it? First things first, and of course the preacher is going to say this. Be saved from your sinful nature. Recognize your sinful nature. And be saved from that with the hope 
of knowing that one day in a resurrected body, in a new heaven and a new earth, sin is gone forever. But only for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, who shed his blood righteously on a cross to pay for your sin, including your gossip. That's the first thing. You ain't changing squat until you got the Holy Spirit living in you. Period. And even when you are, it's still hard. But hope of what is to change, whew, that's worth it just in and of itself. Recognize gossip for the harmful sin it is. Stop playing with it. You wouldn't pick up a big ball of fire and twirl it around your head. That's what gossip is. It's a little fire that when thrown in the wrong direction at the wrong person at the wrong time causes a forest fire of destruction. Recognize it for the sinful, dangerous sin that it is. Pray for God to take away your desire to gossip. I know people who have done this, that by their nature, they just love to gossip. Not really in a harmful way, quote, unquote, just in a like to be in the no way, right? And I, I know someone who did this specifically, and they prayed and prayed and prayed and changed. They, they stopped participating in it so often. Pray for God to take away your desire to gossip. Just like you can pray for God to take away your desire to commit any sin. I think that's a prayer that God enjoys answering. And then this one. This is where we get uncomfortable. Yeah, Come on, preacher. Hold each other accountable by refusing to participate in the did you hear about so-and-so doing what-not sessions. Just literally refuse to participate. Did you hear about so-and-so? Nope. And I don't want to. Thank you. But what about practically speaking? Okay. Those are all good preacher answers and they're true. What about like nuts and bolts practically speaking? Well, let's go to the word first. How many of you like Ephesians 4.32? Yeah. I love that verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ, just as God has forgiven you in Christ. Cool verse. What's right before that? The part we skip over. Verse 25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Skip into verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's how we are supposed to be kind and compassionate to one another. You can't have one without the other. You can't speak falsehoods and not build each other up and tear each other down and then say that we're being kind because we're not. It goes hand in hand. So... Put that practically into some, into some questions, into some things, right? That truth, that truth right there from Ephesians 4. The, the discerning between gossip and concern, because we should be concerned for each other, but we shouldn't gossip. First question, is what I'm saying, is what I'm about to say, is it the whole truth? Or is it the part of the truth that makes me look good and the other person not? Is it the whole truth? Have I talked to the other person about this? Or am I just talking about what I heard about the other person about this? 
if we haven't gotten it firsthand, then what you got probably ain't the whole truth. I know y'all played that telephone game. You start with one word and you whisper it in the ear and they have to add a word and by the whatever, I don't remember how it goes, but by the time it gets back around to you, it ain't even the same story. It's crazy. Third thing. Am I saying this to build someone up or to build myself up? Now, I could say, am I building to build someone up or to tear them down? But if I'm tearing them down, then I'm doing that for that reason. I'm doing it to build myself up. Am what I'm about to say, am I doing this to build someone up or am I doing it to make myself feel good and look good? If the answer is not, I'm doing this to build them up, then it's probably gossip. It's probably gossip. If it's something you wouldn't stand on the town square and say about the person, then it's probably gossip. Because we wouldn't slander. we good at gossiping. Real good at it. Last one. Will sharing this information help the situation? Will sharing this, did you hear about so-and-so, about what they did, will it help the situation? If you're sharing the information to actually help the situation, then it's probably concern. It's probably concern, genuine concern for another human being. But if it's just because it's fun to share it or because it makes you look better or whatever it is, maybe it speaks to your desire to have anger and drama in your life. I don't know. Some of us are like, some people just like drama. I don't get drama. It's like making something out of nothing. And I'd rather there be nothing than something when you could avoid that. But some people do. Some people thrive on drama. Maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe that's why you're sharing it. But these are four simple questions to ask before you open your mouth, before I open my mouth, before I open my ear and listen to what's about being said. Right? If they're about to say something, is this going to help? Is this the whole truth? Does this person have a reputation for being a gossiper? Is what they're about to say going to build this person up or tear the person down? Which one is it? If it's, if it's not the right answer to those questions, thank you. I don't want to know. And depart from the conversation. Because the moment you go, you're in it too. You're in it too. So I'll, I'll sum it up like this and we'll finish. We'll be done. Praise the Lord. I know you all are happy. It's this simple. God hates gossip and you should too. End of sentence. God hates gossip, and I should too. God hates gossip, and more than anything, his church, his followers, his family should too. Father, I come to you today, and I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you don't give up on us, even when we dabble with these pretty little sins that we don't think of that harmful God. But we... We've all had that happen in our lives. We've had someone gossip about us, and we know how harmful it is. We know how much it hurts. God, take away my desire to gossip and or participate in listening with gossip. Lord, let us be known as a church that just will not participate in such a harmful activity. Let us be known as people who build each other up, who desire to edify your church. Build up and strengthen your body, not weaken it 
and tear it down. God, make that our heart. Make that my heart. Make that more than our reputation. God, make that our character. Make that who we truly are. That we desire to be people that are kind and compassionate, especially with our truthful, helpful words. Lord, more than anything, thank you for your son, Jesus. And if there's anyone here today, God, that just desires to give their life over to you through the payment of their sin by the blood of Jesus, if that's today, God, may they come forward right now during this last song and profess that to this church so we can celebrate it together. Thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.